to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Recording. What the fuck is <laughs> literally what the fuck is a bayonetta? I don't think you guys have been talking about this before we started recording, <laughs> and I didn't want to ask, but now I want to know, and I think the people want to know what who who is she? Is first, she first of all, change your tone because <laughs> we were just having a casual conversation about bayonetta. There's well, no reason like, to be this so would be upset a great about it. Way to start the show for me to ask this question, so I tried to make it a. <laughs> Make it a compelling question. Confrontational as possible. Let's do tough crowd. Anders has more of a foundation for drama than the rest of us. But here's the thing is he has less of a foundation on Bayonetta, who is a sexy witch with guns in her feet. Interested. And her like high heels, like where the stiletto is, that's a gun. And And, she shoots you with them. And it's very clear to everyone who is in the know that Lauren Boebert wants to be her so bad and dresses up like her because she's like a a brunette milf with glasses kind of type. And guns. I'll get up to pick. Yeah, the guns are kind of a big part of it. Also, her, her clothes are made out of her hair and they come off when she does spells. Yeah, it's cool. You can. It's a really sexy see. and fun game. And the, oh, Very it's a game, so it's not a video game. Oh, okay. I thought this was a real. It's this is cool. bit. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> can't emphasize. Yeah, she's a witch whose she clothes does. are made of hair, but she's real. She's she does person. look she's, like Lauren Boebert. She lost her race last week. It's very tragic for the Democratic Party. Yeah, and I wish I had thought of this until you know while she was still a serving politician. But yeah, like look at this one. This is, this is what she'd be like. What's cool about the Bayonetta games is that she's like an occult uh, witch lady and the monsters you fight in the game are all like uh, biblically accurate angel shit. Like, but they're like scary, you know? Yeah, it's scary because it's real. <laughs> <laughs> you look up from the screen and you see it in real life. Yeah, and it's all real. This is the real person that does this. I don't know if it's the same studio as Devil May Cry or if it's just related at all, but it's a very similar thing. If you hop around and you have silly guns and you're a, well, you're a beautiful woman. (laughs) You're a beautiful woman you serve in the United States Congress. Is is it official? (laughs) Yeah, she's she's a beautiful woman. Is she she out? Did did the guy pull it out in in Colorado? Why don't you look it up? Why don't you look it up? Let's see. Yeah, it's like still happening. The rest of us will wait. I want to, you know, it is a little crazy that she has that strunt with the um, guns and stuff. But especially now that I'm... you just said. Like restaurants. Shortening of Mm -hmm. restaurant. Just to catch everyone up. It doesn't speak Andrew Lee. What the fuck? What (laughs) is a (laughs) strunt? Let's let's do that scene over. What the fuck? (laughs) But she... (laughs) Has a restaurant where all the servers have guns, and I now that I'm like Shooters. having to go back, yeah, I have to go back into customer service. I I would take that job a hundred percent. Oh, you and me both, brother. The problem is the customers have guns there too, so uh, it's just a shootout if you don't. You it's know. a powder keg, is what it is. Did you find out if she won or not? James uh, Corden feels like you didn't make his omelet right. It's just fucking go time. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I think that's the one thing protecting them is no celebrities with big egos coming into shooters. 
I imagine if you got into a shootout with him, he's like a steampunk guy. Like he opens his vest and there's a bunch of fucking. Yeah, I wouldn't expect him to be a good shot, but I would expect him to have the finest tech that Hollywood can provide. He's got those six shooters from from Clint Eastwood film. Yeah. We just ate like 10 pounds of Popeyes, (laughs) by the way, today. And this is not what the episode is about. What we're talking about right now, this is a warm up. Yeah. So this is, uh, I guess, the latest that from 16 hours ago. Uh, it look it looks like it won't be called until Thursday, at the earliest. There's only a 0.3 percent difference between the two. If they're separated by 0.5 percent or less, when all the votes are counted, there will be an automatic recount. So it could be a recount, and which uh, these can only be bad because their supporters will show up with guns to the recount yeah. office and intimidate people. Well, bring that some, is... Actually, bring food from the restaurant, which may poison uh, the counters. Oh, even they're... more dangerous than yeah. guns. You know what I've been thinking about post uh, the like, the midterms is uh, they're going to have to invite Fetterman on Pod Save America a bunch now. <laughs> oh, no. He's like 10 times the size of each of the men on that show. Uh-huh. Like inviting the Hulk <laughs> He's maybe one of the few people who would ac- accidentally go on this show by mistake. That'd be cool. it was them. Should we be on that? Should we be working as people? Should we be working the Fetterman angle? Heading on down to Philly. Special pod damn in Philly. Yeah, let's get them. Have a cheesesteak about it. Everybody else thinks we're that podcast. Everybody yeah. else thinks we're a different podcast. I think that is uh, a testament to how little anyone cares about Pod Save America, though. That's how yeah, I like to think it's about sad it. for them that people think we're them all the time. <laughs> it's so pathetic. It's really the East Coast and West Coast of each other. Yeah. We're the East Coast. They worked in the Obama White House. I worked at the Times Square Toys R Us for a few months. <laughs> yeah, we're equal, but... Separate. Nope. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is Pod Save America. I'm John Flores. That's John Lee. John Lee here. And John Patek. In Poland, podcast John Yu. Yeah. Indeed. Doing a Yakov Smirnoff bit. I get. Oh, that's pretty meta because you said in Poland instead of in Russia, and we're doing what? like duality, sort of. I was just going for it by last name's Polish, but I'm in. No, oh. run with it. Are you Polish? Yeah, I'm That's partially Polish. I'm mostly Irish. I've always, I don't know why. My name is Polish. I've never thought about your actual, like, Do you guys ancestry. think about me at all? No, I've thought of your... <laughs> no, I knew you were a... Can I say it? <laughs> yeah, you can say it. Polak. You can I say the word. Polak. I give you the pass. Nice. I've always thought <laughs> of... Nice. Polak pass. I've always thought of your race as being from Boston. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, We're mostly Irish, that makes sense. And I am mostly Irish, so racially that is correct. But words have power, and that's what today's episode is about. No, it's not. Uh, I will be... I actually don't know what today's episode is about. I'm excited to learn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I... Do a deep dive on Bayonetta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just... Uh, what, I... is it her own game, or she's part of another game? It's no, a it's... game called Bayonetta. There's really? three of them. Yeah, it's about her. You're yeah, gonna love this. it. I really want to play this now. It's cool. I might download it. Does she have a, it. a broomstick? No, she oh. has guns in her feet. I couldn't be more direct with you what she has. So is she an actual witch with endowed with powers? You know what? You're a comic book guy, right? She's yeah. kind of like Venom or Spawn okay. in that there's just She's a, a sexual amorphous dark thing. Uh-huh. She's a venom of your fantasies. Both her suit and her weapon at the same time. Oh my okay. god, that's actually a really good analogy because like her suit comes off, Venom's suit comes off and it does attacks. Yeah, oh, she's so girl venom. She's like her hair will come off of her body and form like a giant wolf and consume a demon. Damn. 
just like Lauren Boebert. Yeah. No, look it up. You know what? Maybe I'll read a book. Look it up. I might hook up the switch to the projector late tonight. Oh, and maybe man. we can watch it and it'll be huge. She'll be huge, you know? Okay. It's every dream I've ever had. None of us are doing well intestinally. You can just hear it. <laughs> yeah, I should not have had that biscuit oh, yeah. half. Yeah, we can all just lay down <laughs> Andrew's twisted his, bag- his biscuit in half like an Oreo. We thought it was so <laughs> have weird. Have you never done that with a Popeye's? They're built that way. No, no I always tear it the other way, but I think you're, you're really on to something. Makes- just- you know what you got to do is you got to make one of those TikToks that's like a hack for a everyday thing that you didn't even know you were supposed to. <laughs> to do it like this when people show you how to open a pizza box differently or whatever did you know that Popeye's biscuits are meant to come off like they like unscrew an they unscrew yeah I mean it's I thought that was just biscuits in general but you have a beautiful mind and it's gotten to the key of biscuits that's weird man I've never seen anyone though. do that my stomach's like yeah we all sound great okay so what's the episode about <laughs> alright everyone shut up welcome to the show um the okay so here's what I wanted to talk about today um a month or so ago, a few weeks ago, we had on Beatrice Adler Bolton from Death Panel to talk about uh, their new book, Health Communism. It was a pretty good episode, right? We got into the interesting theories of health communism, and that was really cool. But uh, I I had been reading the book, and I hadn't finished it as often as the case when you have on a guest, and they go, hey, read my entire book. I know. You we can't re- all be John Stewart, okay? Yeah. Kicking back in the office reading these things. Come on. You read a couple chapters, and then you talk about it, and the thing about this book is that near the end of it it gets into some really cool shit that we just didn't get into in that episode so it's been like kind of eating at me so i figured i'd do a little little you know book report episode uh like we do uh, about this thing called the spk spk the socialist patients collective which is like an autonomous group in germany in the 70s that uh basically they like people call it a terrorist organization mm-hmm. now. Like Tucker Carlson has called it a terrorist organization. Oh, really? Um, it's made. It's gotten the Tucker Carlson bump. Yeah, I think uh, Beatrice mentioned that to me. Uh, if I'm wrong, tweet at her. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Give her a ring. I think I remember her saying that. But anyway, uh, what's interesting about them is that they have not really been written about that much in English until the book. Mm-hmm. health communism so this is like kind of uh, a new this is new this is interesting it's a scoop yeah it's, it's a german scoop and it's like something that uh the only things that have been written about it in english especially from american perspective are just like calling it a terrorist organization but there's actually a real interesting story here about something that happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, is there like a cover up? I guess I'll have to wait to find out. I don't want to spoil it. There's not really a cover up. It's just everyone stopped caring, but we'll get to that. Okay. So interesting. this also coincided with a bunch of shit that I've been reading about, uh, vague, vaguely related. I've been read. I've been attempting to read a uh, Deleuze and Guattari's, um, what do you call it? Anti-Oedipus. Oh man. Okay. Capitalism and schizophrenia. Very difficult shit to read. Yeah, those it, are a lot of big words in a row. <laughs> it's uh, post-structuralist stuff that um, you kind of are reading it, and then you put the book down. Sometimes and you go, "Are these motherfuckers fucking with me?" Like, yeah. yes. what is a body without organs? <laughs> Just tell me, motherfucker. It's about uh, which type of tree do you interpret the world through? Well, I understand yeah, I tree versus rhizome. That I is think that a, is that actually part of it? Is tree based? Yeah. So post structuralism, a lot of it is like um, philosophically, they sort of reject um, like 
binaries and also the uh, transcendent nature of a lot of philosophies, which they view as a tree trunk, as in things transcend upward. Tree and that's trunk. how you think about things, right? And rhizome is not a tree. That's right. So the, okay. what a rhizome is, is this plant that exists in nature that's like um, kind of like a tumbleweed, like but it's all connected. So it doesn't really have a beginning or end. And they're like, philosophy is more like this. It's a bunch of interconnected bullshit. And we can, uh, my word's not theirs, but uh, <laughs> we can think about things like science. This yeah. isn't the report on that book today. No, but it's it's related. Yeah. It's like it's all related. Um, it's adjacent at least. But I'm not. No, this is not. I don't know if I'll ever be able to explain that book. That's right. like it's my final boss of. I think a lot theory. of times with these complex uh, ideas, it kind of helps to visualize them and give them a body and a persona. And it would be kind of a little bit easier to wrap your you know con consciousness around these ideas if you could maybe play a game where they are in the form of like maybe a beautiful witch who has guns for feet she and her, her hair doesn't hire. There's no hierarchy to it. it I doesn't like rise where you're going with this. Sometimes it's a beautiful bra. Sometimes it's a wolf that consumes you. you. Fuck you. All right, hold on. I have to go. <laughs> Murray popping. Murray off. has taken the Popeyes out of the trash can. It's so sad the way he wants them. I put a, I put mine in the doll trash can. I'm sorry. I didn't know. It's uh, dogs definitely can't have. Have you ever seen a dog? Sh uh, this is pretty gross. You ever see a dog shit. shit? After they eat chicken bones, it's. Ugh. Oh, I didn't give them any of the bones. Well, yeah, but they yeah. sometimes they get into it themselves, and it's it's not. Does pretty. it tear up their organs and stuff because they're yeah. pointy? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's be, no good. He'll be all right. He's very, he's you know, he's like one of those like yeah, he's oh, I'm real tough and I'm pretty dumb. One of those guys. <laughs> oh yeah, as Murray. Um, oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this episode's disgusting. Well, I wonder if the rise of SPK had anything to do with um, all of the fatty foods. And uh, dairy that they eat in Germany and maybe it's caused it induced a lot of GERD. I was going to say the same problems. thing. GERD is a very German disease with how it sounds. Did they I, all have tummy problems? I'm going to do good improv here and not say no. What the fuck are you talking about? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, yes, sure. Um, okay, that's so, right. So you you got Deleuze Guitari and uh, Guitari especially is like he was a. Um, a psychoanalyst and he was a radical psychoanalyst and was involved in a, like a lot of Italian autonomism and stuff like that. And also heavily involved in the anti-psychiatry movement, which was sort of, um, it ran the gamut politically. There are like anti-psychiatry people that formed the basis for right wing crazy shit, like mm -hmm. Scientology. And then there are sort of some libs and then they're on the left end. You've got to losing Atari and on the far end, probably the SBK. So, uh, dark anti-psychiatry wing, <laughs> um, anti-psychiatry is interesting because a lot of what they, um, so these are people who see the Sopranos and reject the premise outright. <laughs> kind of. I mean, you know, they actually do that in Italy. Is that true? Yeah. They watch that. It's there for a while. It may have caught on now, but I remember hearing like when the Sopranos was on TV, Italians couldn't understand it. Cause they're like, why would someone who is criminal, go to psychology. Why would music? a man talk to an unmarried woman? It does not happen. <laughs> that is the point, you fucking Guido. I could, he could touch her in that room. He can't do that. 
<laughs> but this man talked to this woman that is not his mother. <laughs> Why? All of the ducks, do they perhaps represent a pizza pie? <laughs> um, yeah, actually, that's another the losing guitar argument is like um, they sort of a lot of these people rejected psychiatry as being very bourgeois and individualistic. So the anti-Oedipus, what they're talking about that book a lot is like this thing called desire production. So they have this, there's an idea of desire that uh, Lacan sort of talked about where he was like lack, everything comes from a lack. And they rejected that and said, no, 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 actually desire itself isn't like a negative thing that comes from a negative place. And then you need to fill Desire is like this driving force that comes out of people all the time, and it itself is a productive thing. So they said that when you went into psychiatry or into a psychoanalytic uh, framework with like a patient and a uh, a doctor or whatever, a patient oh, and let's an analyst, call them what they are. They're witches. <laughs> the hierarchical nature nature of that puts you in a situation where when you're the patient, your desire is just sort of getting sucked up into this one situation or whatever. And then they imagine this, you know, what if we deterritorialize that, which is turning everything into rhizomes instead of trees. Um, mm -hmm. And then once we're this, so they kind of had this philosophy of, well, no, 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 we got to dissolve stuff like that in society. And then you're like, productive desire force will come out of you and uh you know that'll lead more to whatever the fuck revolutionary shit a lot of the stuff is like bordering on um uh what's his name wilhelm reich is involved in the anti-psychiatry movement if you know anything about him uh -oh. he's uh yeah. his origins were somewhat scientific involved in some of this stuff what he went on to do after that is complete gobbledygook insanity he uh was this guy who believed in this thing called orgone energy and he believed huh. which is just made up like energy the devo when they wore those red hats that were bulls uh -huh. those were orgone capturing hats oh referring to um he I also didn't expect devo to visit this episode he believed that you could uh blow up clouds and suck the orgone energy out of them it's called cloud busting it's what that kate bush song is about Baby, you suck wow. my organ. Did he try to do that? <laughs> yeah, he created this crazy like turret gun that he would sit in and shoot at clouds. Is <laughs> that his fucking mind? Um, so he's like adjacent to this, and that's why some of this stuff gets like pseudo scientific and hard to follow or whatever. But um, I don't know. Anti psychiatry is something that we can get bogged down in a little bit. I think I myself kind of am sympathetic to the left explanation of it, which is uh, I think kind of explored in in health communism. And we've talked about a lot on the show about how you know all the stuff that's going on in psychiatry is uh, shaped by the mode of production and yada yada yada. And like something that both the SBK and a lot of these people, and I think the health communism kids that we talk to all try to reiterate is that it's not as simple as uh, if we abolish capitalism, there won't be like, you know, you'll never be depressed right. or whatever. It's not that it's the ways in which, uh, you being, you know, mentally ill and having a disorder or whatever is then shaped, uh, and then extracted from and yada, yada, yada. Um, but mm. let's not get into like a, you know, million tweet long Twitter discourse about that. It's complicated. And the I'm, psychiatrist should be a mother. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, I'm going to read a little history that leads into what, what's happening here. In 1620, <clears throat> in the UK, there's this thing called the Bedlam Asylum, nice. um, which was an asylum where they 
wrote a petition to the House of Lords called the Petition of Poor Distracted People in the House of Bedlam. This is like <laughs> the first. Yeah, all of the old language for like mental illness is awesome. Very good. Because <laughs> it, like, it kind of has that backwards logic where like um, it like all of the words we use to insult people uh, are the old words yeah. for <laughs> like what it meant Starting to just somewhere. be diagnosed right. mentally ill or whatever. Some of the time. Cringe used to be <laughs> big problem. That's right. It was a big problem to be cringe back then. <laughs> but this this was the first example of um, like a group of patients collectively organizing uh, against their like asylum. Okay. Um, or at least the first example, you know, written down or whatever the fuck. Um, there's probably more. In 1784, which is called the Nuren term uh, in Vienna, which means the fool's tower. So the you know early examples of asylums are stuff like this. It was Bayonetta level. It's definitely Bayonetta level. It's um this fucking like panopticon looking uh, enclosed tower building that was built after the discovery uh or after the discovery that these people called the Capuchin monks had been keeping mentally ill people in dungeons. So wow. they were like, let's build this fool's tower instead. Um, the guy who built it put a lightning rod on top of the tower because he had been studying electricity and its relation to plant growth, and he thought it might like help the insane people in it if they got like <laughs> lightning shot into them through I the mean, building. Electroshock therapy, I think, is still used, if I'm not mistaken. It, yeah, yeah, it is. We'll get into that later. Um, That's gonna come back <laughs> in the 1800s. They're going to have to use it to get the shit out of my intestines after all these Popeyes. Good Lord. I mean, I would welcome it if it did that. Just shoot it out of me with your electricity gun. <laughs> yeah. We should go um, bother some cops later and see if <laughs> Try to steal their gun. <laughs> it's for my shit. I'm sorry, sir. I really have to poop. Yeah. Um,. In the 1800s, there's this group in the UK called the Alleged Lunatics Friends Society. Incredible name. Wow. One of a kind. Good band name. Uh, it's patient-led with doctor collaborators organized for moderate liberal, liberal civil liberties for, quote-unquote, lunatics. So they weren't entirely radical yet, but this is like a liberal example. Um, they did things like... Uh, blah, blah, Get out the freaking vote. <laughs> I guess they just argued for civil liberties. They would them. vote their ass off around Germany. <laughs> People have been, you know, d put, put into this surplus population and labeled uh, lunatics or whatever. Mm. Um, I'm against it. The stuff in the South in the 1800s in the America. Name for a birthday party. Alleged lunatics. Alleged lunatics. I just reminded me of a group chat I'm in. <laughs> huh. Very similar. And you know, at the time, that kind of was their form of group chat, was these real groups. True. Group chat is like a rhizome. There's no real yeah. leader. There's no tree in no a group chat. <laughs> Definitely no end. <clears throat> True. Um, so there's this uh, asylum in, in the American South, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in West Virginia. <laughs> um, around this time, they incarcerated people for stuff like, uh, quote, Immoral life, quote, laziness, quote, novel reading, quote, politics, quote, uterine derangement, 
Just liking politics? Yeah. <laughs> or I, novel reading. I kind of figured. Correct. Wait, novel reading was in there too? Yeah. Oh my God. And laziness. When We're guilty of all of these. Uh, this is the 1800s. Okay. Um, and then a lot of them are increasingly uh, misogynistic, like desertion by husband. You could be committed for that. Mm. Right. If you get deserted by your own husband. Well, if yeah, you're yeah. so crazy, you drove your husband away who did nothing wrong. <laughs> Exactly. He just is trying to love you. They, I mean, that was this is a little before, but you know that there was a big case in uh, Virginia and all over the country, but especially the South. Um, a lot of women would be sterilized for getting it on too much. Yeah, be called like that means you're mentally defective if you'd like having sex. You, you need a psychiatrist in your life, probably. Yeah, someone to um, suck up your orgone energy. <laughs> To burst your cloud, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's like another diagnosis called drapetomania. Oh. Which is the diagnosis they would give to black slaves for wanting to right. run away from slavery. A lot of people have connected that to, maybe you're getting to this, but a lot of people have connected that to um, ODD, Oppositional Defiance Disorder. You down with ODD? <laughs> you know me? <laughs> but it's, um, it's still diagnosed predominantly... Uh, for like young black kids, yeah, and it's there's like a, a lot of medical historians have, have traced it back. Yeah, totally. To oh, this is why I'm a little bit of an anti psychiatry yeah. person myself because there's a lot of shit like that in psychiatry. Um, and that's kind of why I'm going through a lot of this background because like the the origins of the of what they're talking about and when we get to the 70s are fairly recent and they're this fucked up. So mm -hmm. you know, pretty fair to critique the recent uh no one's saying it's unfair thing of psychiatry i guess <laughs> no one's saying it's unfair. no one's saying it's unfair yeah i mean even if you talk to like a lot of doctors they'll be like yeah i know it's bullshit but i gotta do it hey i gotta do it yeah. i love this stuff <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do all right take these pills all right now takes this electricity <laughs> um Please, doctor, I haven't shit in weeks. <laughs> Give me some juice. <laughs> this is the primary function of the working psychiatrist is to just get all that out of there. <laughs> um, let's see. Madness is a concept relative to political economy. We talk about in health communism. Um, the mad are marked for what we refer to in that book as extractive abandonment. So we talked about that a little bit. I'm not going to get too heavy into the theory. If you haven't heard that episode, just go back and listen to it uh, as an accompaniment to this, I think. But, um, you know, basically we use like some Marxist terms here and talk about the surplus population and how, when you are uh, committed to be to a mental hospital or when you're disabled or something like that, you're put into the surplus population and then extracted from in all these various ways. Um, it's fucked up. It's like the Metallica song Sanitarium, if you've ever heard that. Yeah, that's what they were talking about. They were big Deleuze heads. They were real into Deleuze at the time. They might have been. Who knows? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. There's some, like, unreleased volume called Some Kind of Monster from Deleuze Guitari. That'd be cool, yeah. Well, that's a documentary about Metallica, then I think of it. It is. Well, that's, they, that's when they went to a therapist, right? Yeah. Oh, there yeah. Actually, that does kind of connect. Yeah. Okay. Except that they went to a therapist and they didn't do group therapy. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, Men would rather form Metallica than go to <laughs> therapy. <laughs> so 
the eventually we get to the institutional era. Uh, this all forms up around this early stuff I was talking about. Um, basically, the institutional era is a situation where we're disciplining the surplus population for a largely social problem that uh, didn't produce much effect. Like the the peak of throwing people in asylums that were like you know disciplinary and fucked up the stuff that you see in in your American horror story seasons and shit like that um, is largely in the field of psychiatry, not thought to have reaped a lot of benefits. <laughs> uh, it was kind of a failed experiment. It's, it's considered. They don't stand by the uh, lobotomies and, and uh, I guess you said they still do electroshock therapy. Yeah. Well, they don't do lobotomies anymore though. Do they? Uh, I don't think so, but uh, don't quote me on that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the the one thing that capitalism seemed to get out of uh, the institutional era was cheap labor, which is, you know, kind of what we talk, what they're talking about when they talk about extractive abandonment is like, you're now you know, like, like when you get thrown in prison, you're technically taken out of the workforce, but then they're like, well, we still have these people. So they figure out ways to make you uh, technically do slave, slave labor yeah. and shit like that. Um, which just is what a, the vote was about on Wednesday, right? Yeah. Tuesday. It's related. Totally. Well, we, we talked about it Wednesday, but it was Tuesday. Anders, thank you. Thank you, Anders. You're to correct. Anders, thank you. Um, that's just one of the many like folds of capitalism, I guess, that's sort of explored through all this. Um, one of its rhizome-like folds. Mm-hmm. So curability is a concept that didn't prove very viable, right? You can't really cure someone of a, these crazy disorders that you've then uh, that you've sort of categorized them in that maybe aren't even things a lot of the times. Uh, so this gives rise to eugenics and the rise of biomedical thinking, which biomedical thinking is like the umbrella term that sort of surgical and later psychiatric uh, shit comes out of. This led into an evolution of the way we dealt with the surplus population. So now we could sell drugs to you and also perform surgeries on you and most importantly, experiment on you. So now we're getting cyberpunk-ish with our development into psychiatry. Yeah. We're getting into this. Uh, this is something the SBK talked about where they uh, one of the things that they wanted to dissolve was the, the fact that like if you are a, uh, a patient the way everything is set up, you kind of are like a stop for doctors in training on their way to like the next thing in their education, which is something that like commodifies you in a really fucked up dehumanizing way. Because you're the, the, the customer for a doctor. Well, you're the thing that they get to practice on. You're a, you're a panel on the Candyland board that is their career. They're, yeah. They're going to go off on you real quick. And that panel you know, is... When you go to go see the doctor, and they're like, I'm about to pop off real quick. <laughs> 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 let, me, let, me, uh, let me feel the back of your, your body with my stethoscope. Oh, yeah. Well, because you're like a, a, you're a non-human in a, in a way, yeah. they're like, okay, well, we can use these people to like practice experimental brain surgery on. And then the era of lobotomies occurred. And shock therapy. Shock therapy came about when an Italian doctor named Ugo Serletti went to a slaughterhouse and saw a butcher stunning pigs in the head to make them easier Whoa. to stab and bleed. Mm. 
Feel free to do an impression of Ugo Serletti if you feel like it. Wait, what nationality did you say? He's Italian. He's an Italian doctor. Which would... Inter- I've never done Italian before, but I wonder how that would go. Um, so this this doctor, you know, he went to a slaughterhouse. And told I him, invent a machine to treat people like my wife. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor had discovered a technique after realizing the pig was a bit like his wife. <laughs> I shock you. Yeah. I shock you until you're quiet. <laughs> um, so what he did is after he saw this happening with these, uh, effectively in the slaughterhouse, stunning pigs in the head, is he went out and found a 39-year-old homeless vagrant at a railroad station and just brought him into the hospital and started shocking him. Damn. Yeah. This was the first human subject of shock therapy. Jeez. Yeah. This is just electrocuting a hobo. That woman's name? Bayonetta. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> How did she get it's, like that? She's kind of yeah. like Wolverine. You know, experimented <laughs> by the government. Yeah. Dude, they shocked witch energy into her. <laughs> Pretty cool. This may fuck up your hair in some way we don't really medically understand. <laughs> <laughs> um. One early lobotomy subject was a woman described by this American doctor named Walter Freeman as, here's how he described her, quote, a master at bitching. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've met this woman before. The way he says it like it's a skill. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of is. It takes time. I'm reading that with two modern of ears. Like yeah. that's not exactly what he meant or what that meant back then, but I can't figure out what else. It yeah. Would it's like the old timey way of saying it. She's developed mastery of bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's with no exquisite longer. practice and enough classical training. You too can bitch like the rest. Of <laughs> I feel like maybe he meant that it's effective. And then he, for a second, he forgets. Or he mistakes her for a human being because mm. her bitching is so effective. Oh, my God. But then he has to remind himself that... For one second, I thought this bitch was a human being. <laughs> <laughs> it's super effective. Um, so with the emergence of psychiatry, institutionalization shifted to deinstitutionalization. It became less carceral, but still abandoned. It just evolved in these various ways. Um, new ways to extract from patients sort of came out of this the this what do you call it this evolution in the in medical history so it's interesting because you had you know these big warehouse asylums that we would throw people in and make them do forced labor and stuff and experiment on and when this is before they invented the edm so before they were fun electronic yeah. dance music yeah. oh warehouses hell yeah this is probably warehouses. where a lot of rays have hell happened. yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know. Um, so you just hear the mashed potatoes moving through our brain today. <laughs> I don't know. DJ lunatic. We are in former asylum. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not enough. sweating that hard from the chicken. I had a nice I'm relaxing not doing day. good. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really just projecting. I'm going off like five hours of sleep. So yeah, dude, oh, we're yeah. all really nailing Italian voices today. <laughs> I say five hours of sleep like that's not that much sleep. It kind of is. Can I think of well, it? Well, it's, you know, it, it, if it's between cycles, like maybe you didn't get enough cycles. Yeah. We'll blame it on that. I've had five hours feel like two hours. I've had five hours feel like eight hours. And you never know what you're going to get. I usually sleep for five hours when I use my CPAP machine because it's such good sleep. I just wake up. Oh, really? Yeah. 
That's wow. the thing is the number of hours is that misleading. We'll get a sleep expert on here to explain that someday. You know yeah. who didn't invent the CPAP machine is psychiatrists. That's right. With their dark magic. They That's right, Alex. Back to my notes. With the emergence of psychiatry, okay, so basically what happened is, like, after we got out of, like, the warehouse, uh, horrible, you know, old-timey institutions, we had this sort of deinstitutionalization stuff that uh, that sort of, like, instead of having one big central horrible prison psychiatric unit, you had uh, nursing homes and stuff like that, and, like, in-home care and stuff like that, which they explain in a great deal in health communism how all the various ways in which that appears like it might, you know, become less extractive, but it didn't, it just formed all these new ways of, um, you know, doing stuff like not trying to cure, uh, certain disorders, but like making people just in permanent care for the rest of their lives and shit, turning people into human batteries, et cetera. Like the um, matrix, you know, when you read like Marx and he's like, you would think next that this next thing would, uh, change the dynamics of capitalism like once you know there's like a minimum wage law increase or whatever but watch how it doesn't but uh, nine there's a lot of that shit going on here um some interesting other historical build up to this is like uh psychiatry and trade regimes right so like something i thought was interesting about the history of where like the pill game comes from and and you know, synthesizing hormones and shit like that is there are all these myths about, you know, it being this feature of capitalism that we just sort of like competed and innovated. And then now that's why we have these big psychiatric firms that, and pharmacological firms that sell all this good stuff to us. Right. Well, if you're into the history of it, it's pretty fucked up. There was this <clears throat> American chemist named Russell Marker that was making hormones in the United States. And at one point he just uprooted and went to Mexico for some reason involving like capitalist, probably a uh, competition and stuff like that. Did he invent markers? Is that where the name comes from? Yes. He invented the marker. There's actually a really dark story behind it. Keep listening. Mm -hmm. He uh, went to Mexico to make hormones and he had a huge breakthrough because there's this plant called the Barbasco plant, which is everywhere down there. And he figured out you can make progesterone from it. And later on, he and made Tapatio. Uh, and <laughs> he's the yeah. Tapatio guy. That's why he has blue eyes. Um, <laughs> later on, uh, he made androgens, estrogen, corticoids, and theoretically should have made a ton, ton of cash with his company. His company was called Syntex, right? Wow. Sounds like a fictional drug company. It like is a real one, but it's not around anymore because the U.S. intervened and blocked Mexico from being able to trade the product internationally. Um, this allowed Syntex only to sell raw materials. The This protected American companies like Merck, which is a, a big uh, pharma company. When was this? Was this NAFTA? Uh, no, this is like way, way, way before <laughs> okay. all that shit. NAFTA? Um, <laughs> got a, got a NAFTA, NAFTA track mind. And it tricks up like NAFTA. a dog asleep on the rug. NAFTA? NAFTA? <laughs> We're going for a NAFTA? We're going to rage against machine like, shit? It sounds like something NAFTA would do. It was yeah, a precursor to it, yeah. for sure. We're going to get to NAFTA. That reminds me of 1996. Um, <laughs> so what this ha what happened, because uh, America just had this hegemony on like trade stuff, is that even though a perfectly uh, viable competitor had this breakthrough in Mexico, which according to the rules of like um, competition and stuff like that, they should have just been able to sell stuff. 
is we just came up with all these reasons to not allow them to do that by using like trade embargoes and sanctions and stuff like that and saying, well, you can sell us raw materials to us and then we can sell the product as long <laughs> as it turns into a situation where we like, we make more money than you basically. Yeah. Mm, uh, just that is the rule of business, isn't it? Straight up economic bullying. Um, they undercut syntax at its own market. Uh, oh yeah. We traded back. Well, like the company Merck here would trade, would sell this shit in Mexico. Like get the raw materials from syntax synthesize it here in the United States, huh. sell it in Mexico, undercut Syntex in its own market and do shit like that. We right? love doing, that's what we did in Haiti with rice. We love doing that. That's a great move. Countries. It's smart. Very smart, yeah. Eventually, Syntex is purchased by this American company called Ogden. So the whole thing's just gutted, right? Um, this illustrates how the United States, or how, the, how entire states are marked for extractive abandonment and also the, the myth of capitalist innovation. In- marked, eh? Marked. Keep by listening. Russell. Yeah, no, he'll that'll pop up again. It won't. <laughs> <laughs> it was at this point he was looking at this phenomenon. He said, "I'm going to change my name." He founded the I'm, Mark Train that I want connects to, DC and Baltimore. I want people to know me as the guy who marks. I'm the one who <laughs> marks. <laughs> um, I'm kind of wondering if you've heard of this guy, Anders. This feels like an Anders guy. There's this guy named Estes Kafaver. Oh, yeah. Uh, 19, <laughs> 1956, uh, uh, vice presidential nominee, uh, Adlai Stevenson's what the running mate. Fuck? <laughs> you walked right into that one. Damn. So, what does he have to do with this? So he held these high-profile hearings, right, where he was called the, the Kafaver hearings. The Kafaver hearings. That's what they were called. Kafaver. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those names. It's like it, it sounds, it's kind of onomatopoeia isk ish yeah. you know because <laughs> he's southern old southern guy I agree. well i'm not some big city <laughs> <laughs> all right so he actually was good in this uh in this story so what happened is that he wanted to regulate drug development patents prices stuff like that that would uh make this in theory like a fair you know competitive endeavor but the University of Chicago vice president, this guy Lowell Kogashaw, which is another name from the past, <laughs> um, led to a Law. pushback against him. Don't the- make me go get the Kogashaw. <laughs> that guy must be hilarious. His name is Lowell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm already laughing. Yeah, no, he's Elon Musk's friend. <laughs> my friend Lowell's. <laughs> he has my cousin Rafflecopter. <laughs> Um, For $10 billion, I will invent the world's first raffle copter. It's <laughs> 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 a lot of government seed money in that. <laughs> so if, you, if you're if you out there and you have, if you ponied up for one of the blue checks, uh, you should... You have Alex's permission, right, to do that as a thing? Pretend yeah. to be like Elon Musk. That, that, that is correct. You've gotten a grant to make a Rafflecopter. I want to see how it affects the stock market. <laughs> That's what Twitter is for now, I guess. Yeah, I've been trying to think of a good one because I have an alt account. I think I could do that with. If you have an alt, I think you could still get buy the blue check and do that. Yeah, I think anybody can, right? Aren't they, they losing like a it. lot oh, really? of money off of that? Because people were like pretending to be Halliburton <laughs> and they're like, well, missiles just for babies now or but whatever. I feel like in a way, to use a phrase, use a problematic phrase, but an apt phrase, especially given this show, the inmates are running the asylum right now with the blue check situation. Yeah. That, I feel like the cat's out of the bag on that. That's, or some other cliches. That's There's no a, going back. The cat's out of the bag. Yeah, there's nothing they could do. I feel like all the blue checks have been released, and it's yeah. all it's oh, chaos. Yeah. yeah, okay, I follow you. 
So the inmates running the asylum is going to have a lot to do with this episode. Oh my God, where is this going? <laughs> so um, Kogashal, this guy, right? He pushes back against Kefauver. This is like a top <laughs> episode for Kefauver. crazy names, by the way. <laughs> Done like 10 in a row. It's been 30 minutes. Psychiatry is crazy, man. Everyone was a mad scientist in this story. So um, he's like a cold warrior, right? They and experimented on their names. <laughs> <laughs> I went in Earl, Earl King and I came out. <laughs> I feel much calmer now. <laughs> so Kogoshal's thing is he was saying that, the, you know, we can't regulate stuff because that'll hobble these like pharma corporations in this way that would risk losing ground to the Soviets. And ah, no. it would also risk advancement in research that would be vital to like keeping our boys alive you know we need medicine on the front yeah uh, the front lines of the cold war makes perfect sense um go get him boys around this same time so you have the emergent like legal drug market is what's causing all this stuff to happen right Mm. well this also gives rise to the illicit drug market and Mm. as the drug war is starting um during this time like harry anslinger who's the guy we talked about when we did that episode on cocaine and like the drug war oh yeah that motherfucker this guy is founding the uh federal (laughs) narcotics bureau he's incredibly racist he just as a refresher he like went to china and made up a bunch of shit about chinese people um, He's canceled. He went to like jazz concerts and just wrote about how it was like the music of beasts and <laughs> shit like that. Do not God. dress up as Harry Anslinger this Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Everything he did was super racist. He created all these like specters of like, you know, oh, the black man's coming and he's doing cocaine and he's going to blow up your house or whatever and steal all your shit. I didn't know about F- FBN. That's, so that's like FNB. The, FNB. That's like the precursor to DEA kind of. Correct. Oh, yeah, he was an FBI guy, I think, uh, or whatever the, the fucking precursor to the FBI was. And then he went off and founded the FNB, which then's a precursor to the DNA. He's basically the founder of the drug war. He also killed Billy Holiday. Uh, what? Basically, like they, he tortured Billy Holiday, followed her around forever. It's all in that book, Chasing the Scream, I read last year um, for Son of a- using heroin and singing the song uh, Strange Fruit about lynchings and stuff. Oh, like right. That. You stay away from Billy Holiday, Harry Anslinger. I know. Um, he used xenophobia and anti-communism to make heroin a part of the pro-Korea war narrative. Senator Alexander Wiley, another guy involved in this, would accuse Mao Zedong of personally aiming to drug American teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Can't prove it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. It's airtight. Um, the drug war turned into another segment of working class uh, against working. Uh, another segment of working class, largely leftists, into surplus for extractive abandonment. Sorry, I butchered that sentence, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you had like you know working class artists and stuff like that, leftists. Uh, well, now we can antagonize them for being like drugged up by Mao Zedong and then throw them into prison and or you know whatever. Who gave you this reefer? Was it <laughs> Zhang Daoping? <laughs> Uh, this would all lead to, so this is skipping ahead a bit, but yeah, this does kind of all lead into the 1990s. Neil, nobody correct me on the Chinese name. I said, I know I did it wrong. What did you you (laughs) say? Mao? I think it's not important what I did, but it's important is I don't want to hear how it's not a name. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you like, we're doing a guy who wasn't, didn't exist yet. Like it's the sixties and you're like, Gigi Ping do this to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Gigi Ping. Um, I probably butchered that too, didn't I? Yeah, see, I? it's hard. 
Zhang Xiaoping, and I said Zhang Daoping, so I was oh. pretty fucking close. How embarrassing. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> Message Anders. Damn it. <laughs> Um, so that's all, all this trade stuff and drug war stuff eventually led skipping ahead to the nineties, like neoliberal inter uh, intellectual prey, uh, property. property regime, trade bullshit. Um, the trips agreement is something that happened in the nineties, the trade related aspects of intellectual property rights, members of the IPC, the intellectual property community, uh, were CEOs of Pfizer, IBM, et cetera. They were suing to keep those, those, that clown makeup protected. You know, oh, the I that's ICP. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Let's just that. I could tell I could tell there was some sort of clown in there. Yeah, I heard those three. <laughs> but letters I couldn't tell where and shortled. <laughs> Is so, there another uh, agreement of this during this time that sort of affected this stuff? You some mean, sort of ICP agreement. You mean NAFTA? Bing. Yeah. Damn, dude. <laughs> You're so down bad for NAFTA. It's crazy. Well, NAFTA's so, not going to fuck you, bro. It's a trade agreement between the North American states. <laughs> I mean, some would say it stands for a nice... Uh, that's a family guy joke. What does it stand for? Nice afternoon of F and up the A. That's a, a family, family guy, guy joke? joke? Yeah. They were getting cerebral. They are really smart over there. I mean, there. it was about Bill Clinton. Who came up with that one? Stewie? 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 All right. Do they had Bill Clinton say it? Like, why am I repeating family? Sorry. Yeah, what other funny things have you seen on Family Guy lately? Did you write for Family Guy? How did a NAFTA joke come I was thinking last night how it's weird that Brian went to Brown. He's a dog. That is weird. And then he died. That was even weirder. That was I mean, with the way... brought it back. With the way the culture's going, pretty soon dogs are going to be allowed into Brown. Yep, pretty much. This is what liberals want. Goddamn wokeism. <laughs> They're trying to ruin Brown. Yeah. <laughs> um, next thing it's going to be called blue because all the blue hair people yeah. in there. All the genders <laughs> they'll have at Brown. <laughs> okay, so NAFTA and the TRIPS agreement do stuff like they allow the CEOs of Pfizer and IBM and stuff like that to uh, start basically revolutionizing like or establishing like this really unfair global system of rules when it comes to stuff like intellectual property, which mm. is something that governs whether you can sell pills and shit in a certain country, which causes yeah. all of the horrible like monopolies on markets and stuff like that that we right. have today. It caused stuff to happen during like the vaccine race during COVID and shit like that, where you might've asked, why can't you just make an open source one, like a font that we all get to use, you know? Mm -hmm. That's because of stuff like the TRIPS agreement and NAFTA. Yeah, there's like this whole legal infrastructure in these, like Hollywood is really dedicated and spending money. Like they, they basically will stop at nothing till they have like a paramilitary global organization that like goes into Bangladesh and like sweeps the streets of like DVD copies of Honey, You Shrunk the Kids, you right. know, to make sure people aren't seeing, um, you know... <laughs> Unregulated kids. <laughs> um, you didn't shrink those kids. Let me, let's get, I think I'm about to finally get us to where the story is and then we'll barrel through it and we'll be done. But it's like uh, the Hobbit of our episode. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought this was all interesting uh, background. It kind of leads into understanding what's happening here. So let's back up a little bit, right? You got salt, Jean-Paul salt. Oh, salt. Uh, I don't know how you're actually supposed to I think it's that name. I think you said it right. Salt. I thought it was sad. The way I said it as a joke was the correct pronunciation. French people are crazy. Yo. I don't think uh, Jake essentially said salt, and I don't think that's it at all. all right, I said salt. 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 
<laughs> yeah, we're not going to get it. Just, just move on. <laughs> I mean, it's a different language. It's a you know. different language. In 1943, he wrote a book called Being in Nothingness, an existential explanation of madness rather than uh, the, uh, yeah, an existential explanation of madness rather than a biological one. Uh, left-wing anti-psychiatrists would expand this to materialist explanations rather than biological. So we're getting away from biological explanations of madness, right? Uh, he wrote. The, uh, he would go on later to write the foreword to the SBK's uh, manifesto, which is called "Turn Illness into a Weapon." It's fucking oh. cool. Um, so we talked a little bit already about. How did they invent COVID nineteen? <laughs> the Chinese labs, folks. Yeah, these German people in the seventies created COVID nineteen in a Chinese laboratory. How'd they get over there? Um. They already talked about anti-psychiatry a little bit, but there was like uh, a bit, the, uh, probably the biggest Marxist thinker in anti-psychiatry was this guy named David Cooper, who was a Marxist South African in the UK who coined the term. You also have these people called like Golf, uh, or I'm sorry, Cooper, Goffman, Edelman. Um, there were Italian meta-psychiatrists. There was like a similar movement going on over there called uh, with people. It's when you're a psychiatrist on Facebook. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Coming soon, legs. <laughs> <laughs> meta is it called that? Because I met a bunch of bad comedians on it, folks. Folks. Um, okay, so there's these guys, Basaglia and Angaro. They're like anti-fascist, but they're also very into um, approaching that medically. So, like the Italian meta psychiatrists were against stuff like um, they thought medical records functioned almost like a rap sheet does with like prisons. Like hmm. it's kind of damaging to the person well 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 look who had gout (laughs) (laughs) i can definitely see that being a thing for mental health stuff yeah um i'm sure i'm glossing over this at a million miles an hour and then you know if you actually read about it there's a compelling argument there but i don't know it so i'm gonna skip over it anyway uh in germany in the 1970s coming out of the soup of like deleuze guitari cooper wilhelm reich um you have this guy Wolfgang Huber. He's operating at the University of Heidelberg. Uh, he's a psychiatrist. He is like really cool. He's like a 70s radical, you know, cool teacher guy. Oh, okay. He's sitting backwards on the chair. Yeah. He has like crazy hair. Um, he wears a leather jacket instead of like his white lab coat and stuff. Everybody's got patches on the elbows. Yeah, Mr. Cotter. Yeah. Um, he his big thing is autonomous group therapy, right? So, in basically, like one of his big groundbreaking ideas was that stuff I was talking about earlier with the hierarchy when it comes to having like a doctor and a patient. Uh-huh. Um, he saw this stuff as sort of a hangover from a Nazi Germany, right? Because he's in Germany and they're mm. right after yep. like the Nazis mm-hmm. existed and, and the Nazis were doing eugenics and stuff like that. And they're extremely hierarchical and they're extremely biologically, you know, that's how they think. And they'd be having doctors, uh, mental illness came from and stuff. And then you also have the influx of like Western capitalism because this is West Germany. And so he's looking at all this stuff and he's going, this is like the same shit. We're just, we're, you know, we're claiming to be getting rid of Nazis, but we're like installing a lot of the same hardware or software or whatever the fuck that all this stuff was built on. So um, he st- sort of invented group psychology or gr- group psychiatry, which was like, it's still a thing today or group therapy. Rather uh, group therapy is probably like the biggest legacy of the SBK. And it's mm. a thing that honestly, after reading about all this, I kind of am interested in because 
uh, I used to think when I would go to like get a free, you know, psychiatric reading or go to therapy or whatever and get the one person that took my shitty Medicaid or whatever, yeah. uh, they would often say, you should try group therapy. And I would be like, this is because we like, this is the cheapo, like it's expensive to do one-on-one, right? That's gotta be what's going <laughs> on here is that you're like, how about it's like a, yeah, what's the Groupon? It's like Groupon. Groupon, yeah. yeah. Maybe they just thought you were going to freak out and they need a whole bunch of people to hold you back. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but I kind of think that there might be something to it. It's it's interesting. To me, it's like counterintuitive to therapy. I, I think a lot of people think of therapy as a place to go tell all your secrets to a yeah. person that then won't tell anyone else. So right. Group therapy is different. Uh, that doesn't sound as inviting. But, uh, you know, if you go with... Uh, the SBK's theories, then maybe it's actually more healing to Hmm. like form, you know, bonds and stuff like that. I have heard from watching, uh, Maury that on those episodes (laughs) where, well, in a way it's kind of like group therapy. They, they, there are those episodes where they have a couple on and, uh, one member of the couple has cheated on the other one. Uh, this happens. Yeah. And they admit to their partner, yes, I cheated on you a thousand times or something like that. And I remember this one woman saying afterwards, like, this actually feels really good that I was doing it in front of all these people. It feels better about that. And sometimes I think about that. I'm like, well, that's kind of probably like the perverse nature of television and spectacle, all Uh that shit. But maybe there's something to it. Well, maybe, yeah, I don't know. If you're cheating on your spouse that many times, maybe part of you wants to hurt them too. So then admitting it on television feels extra good. God, yeah. <laughs> More to think about this awful thing to do, actually. The, those shows really did morally questionable things much of the time. And that's it's why the name. they were such great television programs. <laughs> True. And we and wanted now... to see Maury of them. It's <laughs> pretty good. Go on. I was going to say, now back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> There's a TV joke since we were talking about TV, but then you said more. Yeah, I had to cut you off with Maury of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really good. It's all staying in the episode. Let's get back Keep to the it show. in. Um, so Hooper is like this fucking radical uh, teacher and doctor, right? And uh, he sort of refers to himself as a doctor collaborator is how he likes to insert himself into the situation of like autonomous group therapy collaborator with a K I bet no with a C really? but uh, well he's not a Nazi <laughs> oh wait I guess with he's German German I don't yeah, that's why <laughs> Nazis didn't invent using the K <laughs> oh the book I read is in English so it's spelled with a C but you might be right um he gets shut down eventually by this polyclinic director that like basically the dean of the situation whose name is Helmut Kretz Another cool name. Uh, Wolf cool Game, name alert. <laughs> Wolfgame Huber is, uh, he's radicalized from working in low-income polyclinics. This is where he came from. Uh, stuff would happen in these places like patients wouldn't be allowed to be referred to high-income non-warehouse hospitals and instead could only be sent to the asylums of last resort. Jesus. <laughs> South of the city. It's a lot of loaded term, non-warehouse hospitals. <laughs> yeah. So he's working in these shitty, like, middle-level hospitals. And, the, like, it, it, if you're rich and you have a problem, you can get sent up to the nice one. Mm. But everyone below a certain income bracket has to go to the Asylums of Last Resort, which is a spooky haunted house hospital in the <laughs> South of the city. Um, 
he, a West German, saw problems with healthcare. It's coming from the uh, capitalist healthcare model being uh, imported from the USA, like I said earlier. I'm just picturing American Horror Story. They send you to the, the hospital. The devil is your doctor, and an <laughs> alien is like the attending. Those shows are wild, by the way. Shout out to American Horror Story. Are you crazy? Yeah, they're crazy. I'm watching the new one right now, and it's You're insane. Too crazy. Um, Where'd you come up with this stuff? <laughs> He saw similarities between the human era of deinstitutionalized care, in quotes, uh, and what the Nazis had done fairly recently with systematically destroying pac patients, organizing them, devaluing homosexuals, drug users, and political dissidents. Um, there was a U.S. officer at one point who came over to these hospitals and was tasked with denazifying the hospital, and uh, he <laughs> agreed with Huber, and he called sure it. Sure, he did a great job. He left, and he said, that hospital is nazified to the core. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's too bad when that happens. He said it was, like, unfixable. It You'd have to like, build a new hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, well, right. this just fits in with the rest of denazification, which is just looking at a building being like, can't fix this and leaving. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick interjection here. Yeah. Because uh, it says relate. Um, my One of my favorite books, Asperger's Children by Edith Sheffer, which is, you know, about Hans Asperger, who was is also uh, gets kind of through denazification, quote unquote, scot free. Um, but he, she argues in the, her book that. Nazism was in many ways a diagnostic regime. It's all about diagnosing all sorts of social phenomena, yeah. uh, often through medical medical lens. Um, and that, you know, has yeah. to do with why we call people autistic or Asperger's today. That's like exactly what they're talking about yeah. here. Um, the university's Department of Psychiatry hosted the grandfather of the DSM, a guy named Dr. Emil Kraepelin, who in the 1890s made historically lasting distinctions in the diagnoses of schizophrenia and manic depression and stuff like that. So the guy who like made the DSM was, came out of here. So a Son lot of this of biological essentialism stuff is like directly related yeah. to these hospitals. Um, but there were new deinstitutional doctors like uh, Walter Ritter von Bayer in 1955. They were opposed uh, by these old conservative biopsychiatry Nazis. And this like opposition between like the new liberal, like, hey, we got to deinstitutionalize stuff, guys. And the old biopsych Nazis created this like dialectic that Huber sort of pops out of. Right. Mm. Um, he rejected, uh, rejected. Yeah. So like he didn't like the Nazis, but he also didn't like the libs either because they were embracing liberalism that uh, he saw as just the precursor to Nazism. Well, right? frankly, they were cringe and they were cringe. <laughs> Diagnostic, diagnosed cringe. Diagnostically cringe. <laughs> you are medically cringe. That's honestly what Asperger's was at first. Or autistic psychopathy, which it was called. Basically, yeah. Um, so Kretz, uh, he cut Huber's classes um, because, you know, having like anti-capitalist politics in post-war Germany is really bad optics. And this is like a university. So people are getting really dicey about this Huber guy because he's talking openly in Marxist terms and they, you know, kind of like, like we need to like make sure we're doing rah, 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 market capitalism, yeah. everything here. And this is all in West Germany. This is all in I West assume. Germany. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a, a, a talking point at the time. Yeah. This is a big thing that happened over there recently. So World War Two. Check out World War Two. Mm -hmm. If you don't know anything about World War Two, you should learn about it before listening to this. It'll make it more it's honestly going to be super confusing to you. This episode, just go back and you have to read to, all about it. You have to watch Saving Private Ryan. Or this episode will make no sense. Yeah, this is about uh, 
yeah. So that scene where Vin Diesel gets shot by the sniper, that's pretty <laughs> much the prelude to this episode. Vin Diesel's in that? Oh, yeah. What? He's shot by a sniper. Diesel, Barry Pepper. That uh, rules. <clears throat> it's a really cool movie. <laughs> it's my girlfriend's favorite movie. It's 100% made up, but that's what makes it so good. You have a girlfriend? I have a girlfriend. What the hell? Her favorite movie is Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> so, Every man's dream. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Real man, I bet there's like a bunch of sixty-year-old dads that are just oh. like, "Oh, dude, <laughs> <laughs> how do I get one of these?" Um, so the patients are devastated when the cool teacher Wolfgang Huber gets uh, gets classes cut and like sort of gets kicked out of school, and his like um, his prescriptions that he had been giving out get like uh, canceled and stuff like that. It's a big problem for people. Uh, so he was like giving people medicine. Yeah. So he okay. wasn't. Antipsychiatry is yeah. like not as simple as like right. I don't want. I don't think pills should. Yada yada yada. Yeah. It's more like getting into the the you know just heady framework stuff of how it's capitalistic and stuff. Right. Uh, a lot of these people do think like you know no 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 we should dissolve capitalism or you know reorient all this stuff but like give me my pills yeah. I want to be in control of them rather right. than having someone fucking dosing them out to me and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I remember going to a meeting of this sort of anti-psychiatry group kind of, and this guy was saying, like, he needs lithium, and he's had to <clears throat> discover on his own what his dosage is because he goes to a doctor, and they don't give him what he needs. Well, know? I mean, you put a tremendous <laughs> amount of faith in the doctors for yeah. little to no reason. I mean, they're a stranger, and they might not have a good education and stuff, and even if they do, the system of the, what they're going off of might not actually work. Right. So uh, that's what a lot of this is about: is the autonomous or uh, autonomy of the patient to be able to, you know, figure autonomy? that stuff out. There you go. Thank you. Um, farting up a storm over here. <laughs> God damn it! Okay. Good lord. <laughs> Rail through this so we can get out of here before. This it's been like story. a half hour of freaking <laughs> armed combat. God damn it! It's like World War One. <laughs> Down the pod trenches, breathing the gas. God damn you. Um, okay, so after he gets, this is an important part of the story, after he gets kicked out and they're like, Uber House, you're on probation, you know, his patients, may, they stay together because they believe so much in this autonomous group therapy thing that he's been forming and that they've been using to like create its own self-perpetuating system with like various forms of praxis, right? Um so they show up and they protest him getting kicked out of school uh, and they're beaten by the cops. And that becomes a live spectacle. This is the 70s. So we have like cameras and shit and uh, local news and stuff like that. So after there's a spectacle of the students getting beaten up for wanting their group therapy and shit, um, they're sort of able to form and stay at the school and they form the Socialist Patients Collective, which has that manifesto I talked about earlier called Turn Illness into a Weapon. Um, I think some of, there's another translation that's like the army of the sick or something like that. They all sound <laughs> fucking cool. Very um, German. <laughs> um, so the SBK is like, you know, they have like a lot of tenants. They have, um, they're decentralized. They have these like three starting points they talk about. Um, read about it if you want to go real deep into it. But it's uh, something I'm, you know, talk about as best I can having just sort of speed read a book on it, but there's finer points to it. If you're really into this shit there, 
I don't know. They have interesting statements like they're pro illness because we're all ill, right? Illness is the only form of life possible. Health is a biological fascist fantasy whose purpose is to conceal the social conditions and social functions of illness. Um, a lot of the stuff we talked about on that main episode that we did. So the theory and stuff is in there, right? Um, let's see. They, uh, Oh yeah. And the SPK is also a patients organized general assembly, right? So they claim this is the first time that's happened in history, which when do they start killing people? <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> okay. Um, well they don't actually kill people. I don't think, but we'll get there. It's, it's debated. Um, I'm looking forward to you getting to the bar and be like, Oh no, they did. <laughs> <laughs> um, they protested to get Hoover back in, uh, the university compromised and they let the SPK exist. And they kept honoring Hoover's prescriptions and they give him this like transitionary period out of a job. That's like middle ground where this all landed. Um, the SPK existed to continue to, to agitate. They called their group therapy sessions agitations. Um, they seek to dissolve hierarchy between doctor and patient. Part of this is getting a little culty, though. They're, you got to admit. It <laughs> is definitely an accusation, though. It's been thrown at them. Obermensch. Um, doctor. <laughs> doctor Obermensch. So we just talked a little bit about their theory of being like, you, you know, you should be able to prescribe your own shit and stuff like that. Um, dissolving the hierarchy between doctor and patient. Um, they have this thing called the social symptomatic model is the language they use. Uh, it's criticizing what's called knowledge production in healthcare. So knowledge production refers to the incentivization of, uh, you know, constantly needing to like puts to, to grow like scientific knowledge through healthcare, which is the, lobotomy stuff, you know, mm. experimenting on patients and stuff like that. Um, they proposed of a sick proletariat. Pretty cool. Wanted to sick. They wanted to sick proletariat, bro. <laughs> they wanted to disconnect knowledge, skills, uh, and methods and stuff like that away from capitalism. So they were like, they were really into like skill share. Like that's a term you hear in like anarchist shit a lot. Mm. Um, you know, intellectual property being uh, commodified and kept away. They wanted it to, you know, stuff to be free and universal and shit. Like, you know, surgery so you can fix my arm and I can make you a podcast. Yep. We'll both uh, use our skills. They accuse the university of turning them into quote, sick commodities and quote, a training stop for career specialists. Post Huber leaving the SPK engaged in a power struggle with the university board being promised resources, but not really getting them. So like the university board after like the public, you know, police sort of roughing them up and shit had to like, uh, concede some things, but then you can imagine how that plays out. They said, Oh, we'll give you this like room to hang out in. And then they like got this really shitty room at the university. They told them they were going to give them funding, but then they kept saying, Oh, it's coming eventually. You know? <laughs> Keep uh, checking the mail. Yeah. Um, so this puts them in a situation where, um, you know, they now the SPK is around and they're agitated against the, the university. And so they start organizing and growing in size. They develop these things, things called working circles. Some of these being therapeutic, some of them being like just stuff to, you know, generally maintain and, uh, you know, do mutual aid and stuff like that. And some of them being stuff like monitoring police radio because they're starting to get like reported on because people, people are starting to call this thing that's happening at this college campus, a cult or a mm. terrorist organization, especially because of all the red scare stuff happening at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So there's disputed claims of them. It's people say they made bombs, but that a lot of that seems like Fed shit. Mm. Uh, impossible to say, really. Um, but there's this heavy stigma. <laughs> um, people would like if you were in this area and you were like applying for a job, they would screen you for SBK involvement uh, for employment. <laughs> There was all this propaganda. How sick like have you been? <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about being sick? Is it like a toy <laughs> or a weapon? Um, let's see. In uh, September 18th, 1970, the Minister of Education orders the university to kick them out. So eventually it turns into this huge thing where like... Minister the, of Education, like, good God. Of the government yeah. is like seeing this stuff happening. And Dr. Fauci declares war on the SPK. I really want to see like the Animal House movie of like this organization like taking over this college and having the, the Wilhelm Crutt guy or whatever the fuck his <laughs> name was like, you know, mad at them all the time and shit. And they're just like, Louie, Louie. <laughs> they're all sick. Um, the the guys on the ladder watching all the girls have the pillow fight, and he would have a boner that knocks him off, but due to his illness, he cannot. Yeah, and that's a weapon, and he, it's weaponized. Just capitalism. If you don't have a boner, it does, can't use you anymore. So now you're in the <laughs> surplus population. Um, let's see. This is all happening um around the same time as like the Weathermen in the United yeah. States, right? This is why like the the government starts to get involved because there's like. Both American and German. And the RAF. Right? Maybe we should do a whole You're episode on. Getting ahead of me, but okay. yes. So um, the press is like releasing you know, unprovable stories about like, oh, they, there's sexual abuse and stuff like that going on in there. Again, looking at this from a macro point of view. Probably. Maybe. And it's hard to say whether that, but they're also like. I do think the, the you know, equation of charismatic professor in the 60s who's yeah. lefty. In the 60s, perhaps, come on could have resulted in that but it's hard to say because i mean if you're super sympathetic to them like this book obviously is yep. you're going all that stuff is stuff that the feds are saying right. about mm. this because they're a marxist organization that's growing in western germany mm. uh and you know people are really not happy about it in the government and stuff like that that being said also totally could have fucking happened yeah and uh also you know, both. It could have been that they right. had this cool praxis and then it was also this wild fucking thing that happened. I guess I, that is a stereotype about charismatic people that I should. Yeah, you know what? That's charismatic shaming, Anders. <laughs> and I'll and you can't pull it off, honey. None of it. Some of us spec really high in charisma yeah. because we thought we could talk our way out of fights in Dungeons and Dragons. Not everybody who's charismatic is just going to like be your Hitler for you, you know? That's true, yeah. Some of them just want to vibe uh, and have a cool afro or whatever because it was the 70s and look like Disco Stew. This is how I'm imagining this guy in my head. Anyway. German uh, Disco Stew. I was saying that um, parts of this do remind me of kind of like California cults in the 70s mm. in their own way that are not Marxist aligned, like the Rajneeshis and stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. The Bhagwan. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, Around the same time, uh, okay, yeah, so the weathermen are happening in the U.S. and the Red Army faction in Germany, also in West Germany, and so the narrative becomes that the SPK is an arm of the Red Army faction. That's what they're saying in the newspapers okay. and stuff. They're saying that, like... So they're looking at it, like, in, in a tree-based logic. They're a branch. Exactly, which is bad. They don't understand the rhizome. They don't understand the rhizome. It's yeah. all just one big rhizome, man. 
We don't, we're all connected to each other. actually is a pretty good analogy in this case, yeah. <laughs> we're all an arm of each other in right. a rhizome. Well, I think we're all an Ouroboros. Ouroboros. The snake that eats itself. That's rhizome though. It is. It's basically like a, a, a simple rhizome. Each of us a scale on the Ouroboros. So, like, they're saying that, like, the Red Army faction is just using the SBK as, like, reserves for, like, when people, you know, die or whatever. They just pull some of these mental patients out. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, yeah, I mean, to, I don't know if I explained this really that emphatically at the beginning of this. These are all patients. So, this is, like, this is, like, a like a Red Army faction made of, like, lunatics, kind of, which is, like, why it's cool. I don't know. It's kind of why I started reading about it. I was and just, like... All people with like mental health issues. No, some of them are okay. disabled and stuff. Okay, like that, I think, um, cool. but definitely some of them are uh, are you know diagnosed mentally ill. Um, so the SPK is eventually accused of blowing up a bomb in Odenwald Forest and try. <laughs> They're trying to kill the Allfather. Fucking <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, so German. Um, and then trying to uh, bomb the president on a train in 1971. They've stolen his raven. He's <laughs> the raven of body fascism. Uh, <laughs> what was that? What, what did I say that was? In 1971. Okay, so in May to July 1971, Heidelberg University, exhausted of legal and administrative attempts to evict the SBK, um, they can't get rid of them, even though the government is intervening and stuff. A backroom vote occurs, and in July, using a nearby unrelated shooting as justification, the police just storm uh, homes of SBK members and the center at the university. Mass arrests occur, and on July 31st, a day before their official eviction date, a day before, 300 militarized officers descend on the building with machine guns, dogs, a helicopter. A couple of people said there were tanks there to arrest nine people. Wow. They sent the Wehrmacht after <laughs> the annoying college students. <laughs> nine people, 300 officers, and like a tank. So this stuff is all in the muscle memory of like the, the German state. Yeah, right. They just oh, like picked it right back up, you know. Oh, we're good at this. But this time is for capitalism. Um, so, yeah, the nine people that are arrested are Huber, his wife Ursula, and uh, some other, you know, people around they are charged with forming a criminal organization the they're charged with the shooting that had nothing to do with them forged documents bank robbery i don't know if they actually robbed a bank <laughs> um possession of drugs and weapons oh yeah he also was really cool with like smoking weed and banks are a doctor in a way um bombings and uh bugging the university board boardroom um the there's an author's note in the health communism, which is that they think that one might actually have been real because his <laughs> wife Ursula apparently did bug the, uh, the university board room just so they could like spy on them and shit. Hmm. Um, they were put into isolation with like the lights on 24 hours. They tried to throw, they tried to throw Huber into a psych unit, which would have been a really cool, ironic ending to all this. Um, and yeah, they, they went to prison for like four years each him and his wife. And uh, like a year, they spent a year each in solitary. Uh, damn. Yeah. Is everyone in the organization just Huber? Um, I don't know wh- how they treated everyone else. Uh, that those are the specifics I know about him and his wife. Uh, I think some other people got put in prison, but I don't know. Quote me. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a that'd be a lot of prisoners for not America. Well, the other ones you were also build a lot of prisons. Like their patients. I don't know exactly yeah. how that worked. 
Um, but anyway, the the show trial around him and his wife turned into like a spectacle. Deleuze and Guattari uh, showed up, which apparently was a big deal because Felix Guattari hates traveling. So like it was for him to show up was like, oh my God, <laughs> he came all the way from France. It's my day off. <laughs> um, he compared the events to this thing that happened in March 22nd. Uh, on March 22nd, uh, 1968, at the University of Nanterre in France, which was like a similar uh, student's protest, um, which is a thing that radicalized him quite a bit. There was a showing of support from activists, but after one man started shouting in support of the group, all non-police were expelled from the trial, and this guy, they just beat the shit out of this guy and left him without medical attention. Now that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> There's all these huh. medical ironies of how they fucking cracked the shit down on everyone and did not, you know, either didn't understand the lesson here or like were purposely like, no, you will not use doctors for good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Huber's lawyers were charged just for defending him, one went to prison just for defending him. Can you do that? Isn't that their job? I'm confused. <laughs> this is just a, uh, you I know, guess it's not America. This is a so new liberal society. <laughs> I mean, this is stuff that shouldn't be happening, but sure. Ask a uh, Steven Donzinger about that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It feels like extra legal means were afforded to like avoid becoming anything like East Germany. Like it kind of, you it, know, that's kind of what's going on here. I think like the official position was like neither Nazism nor communism, but liberal capitalism, but they were pretty, pretty okay with like some aspects of, or at least sweeping stuff under the rug with Nazism. But it's almost like they're communism, not so much from each other or something. I don't know. Somebody should look into that. Crazy. So the SBK has since been labeled a terrorist organization uh, by the United States. There was hysteria from academics and state officials, you know, post all this in the United States. At one point, one of the SBK members like moved to Canada and then tried to come into the United States. And there was like this huge fucking headline in a newspaper that was just like ter German terrorists are coming into, you know, just some person trying to move to like some small town in Michigan or something. Um, blah, blah, blah. German pinkos sneaking <laughs> into the country. Uh, hysteria around them from academics blah, 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 is uh, it's all Cold War predictable. You know, people say they were com communists because they were insane. That's another spin that gets mm -hmm. put on this. Interesting. It's like, too. well, they're lunatics. Of course, they believe in communism. They're mad. And then you know, eventually, crimes elsewhere started to get blamed on them because they're on the list of terrorist organizations and shit. And, uh, that's basically it. That's basically the story of the SBK. I mean that the crackdown really snuffed out the organization. They existed under a different name, but did different shit after this for a little while and sort of dissolved into just like a basic activist group. Um, but I think that the, the thing about group therapy being like invented by this guy is really interesting. And it's one of those things that you would never know where it came from. Um, and I think that, you know, again, not going to get back into the theory cause we did the other episode for that, but like a lot of the stuff that they're talking about, about like witnessing, uh, you know, liberal, like market capitalist healthcare system be implemented right next to where the Nazi shit just happened and being able to put them right next to each other. They had really, really valid critiques of, 
you know. The contrast was glaring. Yeah, and like how all of the stuff's just re-manifested itself, especially, you know, watching the uh the Nazi doctors who were really into bio bioessentialism and stuff. They all wanted to make a human centipede. And what was the, the <laughs> biological need for that? <laughs> it was, how would that help science? It would be sick, yo. Yes. The doctor and human centipede is too much, by the way. I don't know if you remember him. Oh, he's German, he's German. right? Yeah. He is, he's just like too much. That's Huber. That's, he th- they thought he was cool. Yeah, but there's nothing cool about it. There's nothing <laughs> cool about sewing three people together so they got to shit in each other's mouth. And then part of them dies, and then the rest of them die because they're all stuck together. Or doing it to an entire prison to make a super centipede. Yeah. Human centipede three. And then he calls it an agitation. He's like, this is praxis. I just, the only line I remember, A, the guy uh, saying shit, I have to shit, the guy in the front of the centipede. And then I remember the doctor, anytime they do anything, just stands next to them and goes, yes, (laughs) yes. And they're just like crawling around or whatever. A human centipede is the ultimate form of group therapy if it's a doctor (laughs) that's doing it to you. Men would rather rather make the human centipede. Move your organ energy into her. (laughs) Yeah, feed. That was the other line too. Okay, I, I could see definitely it being able to achieve ego death being in a human centipede. But you would aspire really, to ego death <laughs> yeah. in a human centipede. He's more like dissociation. Yeah, <laughs> you I really just so. want to just forget you have a brain. If you which can. is kind of what happens when I hear about human centipede. But well, make the time. This episode is <laughs> my recommendation for this episode is human centipede. Man, I, I mean, the amount we all been white, we be farting mm-hmm. here. I would hate to be in a human. Oh centipede. Oh my you god. What You're on the we, bottom of my list of people to be in a human centipede with. I, mean, I want to be honest. What if they, we woke up when we were in a human centipede and that German doctor like had a bunch of Popeyes and then <laughs> he's like, can you resist? And we're all like, here, Anders, your sweet tea you love. Why don't you take the biscuit and unscrew it Oreo style? <laughs> Which yes. Was, so Anders is in the front. Yeah, Andrews. Of course, Andrews in the front. So then, oh, well, you it's and not me. bad. I For me, I I don't think we get to pick. It just kind of works out. No, I'm not saying we pick. I'm One of us is the caboose. What do you think the doc? Who do you think the doctor would pick? I don't want to say it, but I feel like I do end up in the middle. <laughs> I feel like that too. And that is, everyone agrees, the worst one. <laughs> is it? I mean, the, yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> it for sure is. The back one seems pretty bad, too. They're all bad, but the front one's definitely it's the only, best. Wait, it's Congratulations. Only three people? In the first one, there's just three people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel like if you're in the, if you wake up and you're the first one, you're still horrified. It's like the worst day of your life, but part of you is like, it's All right. T- <laughs> hey. <laughs> Can I actually segue this into a fun joke? Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. So the guy walks into a bar, <laughs> goes into the bathroom, and there's three guys having sex in, in like a, in uh, a train. Train. Yeah. You know, one guy's taking it and giving it, and uh, the other two giving and receiving. And um, the, the guy closes the bathroom door in horror, goes up to the bartender, and is like, my goodness, there are three men butt-fucking in your bathroom, sir. And the bartender says, did the guy in the middle have a red sweater on? It's like, yeah. Yeah, that's man. He gets lucky at pool, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, did, did you know that uh, the three guys are riding a horse? The middle guy is referred to as Lucky Pierre. <laughs> <laughs>
Ah, because that's where the you know how like when you are in a car like oh shot shotgun yeah that seat is referred to as shotgun uh-huh. on a horse on a that horse seat in the is middle is lucky as... Pierre yeah oh because you're just fucking and getting fucked on your fucking <laughs> horse all fucking day yeah all right all right it's finished it's yeah it's done let's do plugs and get out of here oh it's a main episode right yeah um I don't I, I'm going on tour soon fuck yeah uh in January. I'm going on tour with Mishka Shubali, my friend. We're going through the South. I'm going to be in like Columbus, I think Pittsburgh, uh, Memphis. In Memphis, we're doing a January 6th show with my friend's Heels, a punk band. It's called Heels Surrection. And then down through uh, Texas and all that bullshit like normal. I'm doing Alex's show, Game Boys. In December. In December. On December 15th? 16th. 16th. Fuck. Uh, my other show is called Why You Mad. I Twitter is, I think, going to be over soon. So just keep listening to the show, please. Follow us here. Don't just do it because of how cool it is on Twitter. Um, plug for my show this Friday, Game Boys, Caveat, Lower East Side, uh, November 18th, hot, hot show. You must come and see our wonderful show. That's at 7 p.m. And these have all been great shows, folks. You don't want to miss it. The number one show where it's safe to know about video games, Game Boys. Bayonetta will be there. Bayonetta will be there, and she will be played by Lauren Boebert. She better be. Um, the day after Don't that. Don't be a creep about it, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> November 19th. Can't promise that I'll introduce you to Bayonetta, but I can <laughs> get you some good comedy if you're, you're, if you're still in the mood for comedy after November 18th. On November 19th. At Misfit Kava, we're going to be doing botanical comedy at 9 p.m. Come check that out. Libations, uh, good jokes from great folks. Dan Yang, uh, Maggie Crane, Shalewa Sharp, Steve Gerard, and myself. And um, follow me for now on Twitter, at Andersley here, and Dursley1 on Instagram. And Substack, andersley.substack.com. Okay, I'm going to do it as German as possible in honor of the SPK. It is finished. It's, it's finished. Up topping. I don't know how to say that. Das ist finished. Oh, it's, it's finished. finished.